Victor, he moves his words like a prize fighter. A crimson face on the mind inside the cell. The man on the street might just as well be. The man on the street might just as well. The man on the street might just as well be. Outside, outside the walls, out here you don't hear the echoes and calls of the steel eye, tight jaw, say it all, say it all, and the white paint, plastic saints, say it all, 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 say somebody. Has got to say it all. Yeah, somebody has got to say it all. I'm so nervous. I'm so tense. My heart. Have to get about this self-defense. This one, my breath comes fast. I'm the cool blade, but I know this can't last. I'm the cool blade, and I know this can't last. Outside, outside the wall, out here you don't hear the echoes and calls, but the steel eye, tight jaw, say it all, say it all. At the white paint. Plastic saints, say it all, 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 say somebody has got to say it all. Somebody has got to say it all. Uh, let me be clear. Um, I'm Barack Obama, and uh, I'm uh, very disappointed uh, in you, the uh, American people. You uh, have uh, not uh, lived up to uh, my expectations of you. Uh, very disappointing to uh, see you uh, fail to uh, carry out uh, my political uh, ideas for you. And honestly, uh, it leaves me very disappointed. And I might have to uh, leave the country until you uh, figure out what's wrong. It's amazing to think about how Obama captured the liberal imagination the way he did. Because he his idea of politics, this this thing of of being our professor, basically, who is, uh, who gives us homework assignments and then grades them, uh, caught on. But it makes sense when you remember that who he, he was there to recreate the Democratic coalition uh, in the aftermath of party politics decaying over the course of uh, the the post-70s era and recapitulating it along this educational line. Uh, and so he, he told a bunch of people who went to school and who fully assimilated the idea that 
education is virtue, and that submitting oneself to the discipline of scholarship is the path towards not only personal virtue, but also worldly success. And so you got this guy in the White House during eight years of crisis that never ended, who was able to somehow convince a huge percentage of people who had elected him thinking that he was going to be the vanguard of political change, that it was actually their fault that nothing got better. Because uh, it was up to them to do the homework, which meant voting for Democrats all the time. And the funny thing is, is the ones who loved her the most did vote for Democrats. But the people who don't give a shit about making the teacher happy, which is most regular people, were less assiduous, more likely to just tune it out. And Obama blames them, and then the people who did vote every time also blame them. And then it, more than they blame him, they blame themselves for failing to engage their fellow citizens well enough. It's kind of amazing. Um, I agree that Polar is better than LaCroix. It's just LaCroix is what was near at hand at the store. Yeah, that's the thing. There's no Polar. Polar is absolutely the goat. Sadly, no Polar here. Uh, I was a Polar devotee. And it's, in retrospect, it's incredibly predictable. And in fact, inevitable that the antithesis to Obama's idea of of, pre of governing would be someone whose pitch was fuck school. Fuck the professor. Fuck the teacher. Fuck classes. Fuck grades. Fuck homework. <laughs> and the real problem for Democrats, like something that at this point is a lacuna in their sight that cannot be rectified because of how fully encapsulated they are at the top from interactions with non-Democrats, like with large D self-identified members of this new uh, professional, uh, it's essentially a professional networking association, the Democratic Party. They think that, that they imagine appeals and they imagine politics by pointing towards these ideas of, of wanting to please an imagined uh, teacher somewhere. Like you, you should want to do this stuff because it means you're going to get a good grade and people are going to respect you. But if faith in this conveyor belt, this academic conveyor belt, is eroded outside of all of the areas where people have been rewarded by the system, uh, then th that internal uh, regulator gets dissolved into nothing. And so you've got a situation where they just are incapable of uh, appealing to anybody. It's wild. Like, the, the emphasis on the January 6th thing, 
at the end of the day, boils down to a outrage at violations of propriety that, for most people, have lost salience. They either have embraced direct and, and uh, open hostility to these institutions, or more people don't care about these institutions. They've checked out. And nothing, nothing within the box of things that these people care about can be connected to the real, desi- real interests and real demands of regular people. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see how they move forward. I mean, they're obviously going to lose the midterms, but 2024 will be very interesting. Because we've saw with 2020 that it is uh, undialectical to try to do another Obama. Because Obama was a thesis, was a thesis of political identity. And, and then Trump came along demanding some new thing. And uh, instead what they did was try to emphasize uh, a, a Obama with a different, ideal, a, a different identity constituency. But they were all too separated. So what ended up winning was the husk of the party itself in the form of Biden. But this is the last gasp of that old... Machine. The machine's gone. It's now Obama's party. They're all Obama's people, except for the ones who are so old uh, that they are not going to be able to... They're not realistic uh, claimers for the mantle. It'll be interesting. Who's been enjoying uh, spooky season? Who's been enjoying uh, all the terrifying tales of ghouls and goblins that we love this time of year? I know I have. I've watched a, a bunch of horror films this month. None of them really stood out as great, I gotta say. Let me see if there's anything here that's more than mediocre. Of course, you could argue that like the uh, the synthesis of the wannabe Obamas and the Bernie wing uh, would be uh, AOC, but I think that the Bernie part of that coalition has been dispersed, uh, and it's going to be very hard for uh, anyone to rekindle that spirit within the party because uh, of how, how dramatic the route was at every level. It's not quite as, it's not quite as public as what's, hap- what's happening in England with the Labour Party, but it's, it's of a similar uh, dynamic. So yeah, once again, the national national politics, nothing's nothing's moving there. Uh, no no reason to get too carried up carried out. Local politics might be different. Might be reasons to participate in your local political process if there seems to be possibility uh, for 
daylight, given local conditions that can actually be surmised and engaged with by, uh, by people on the ground. Like, the real problem with national politics is that, is that it's such a remove. Like, the actual conditions of the debates uh, and the negotiations that make up what we end up getting is so removed from regular people that there's no way for you to even know what's going on. You just get the shadow play in the national press. Like, I mean, I have zero idea what the fuck is going on with this stupid goddamn uh, reconciliation bill, whatever the shit. I have, like, I have tried to kind of cut myself off from any of that because it's just so inscrutable. All you really know is that the party's funders are strangling uh, a thing that would be good for capital and good for the party generally. But we are at a stage now when party discipline, party ideological structure has largely dissolved. And all that's left are the individual preferences of people within the political, uh, the economic, or um, within the electoral structure and then individual preferences among rich people. So the system has now gotten to the point where it's incapable of addressing real, addressable and direct crisis within it. It's pretty wild. All right, I'm looking through some of the horror movies I watched this month. Yeah, not a lot of winners. I liked The Empty Man. I felt like The Empty Man could have been better if it had been like 40 minutes shorter and uh, added more Steven Root, of course. But uh, I appreciated it for its sort of singularity. But if anyone has a, a, a good horror film they would recommend, I would certainly, in the last couple days here before Halloween, I would certainly like to uh, take note. I've seen most of them, of course. There are a couple of classics I've never seen that I watched this month. i got to say, Phantasm. Uh, it, Phantasm's reputation kind of baffles me. People really like that orb. But the orb is barely in it. The orb only kills one person. I've seen The Sentinel. That's a good one. Slither's great. Halloween 3, obviously. House, yes. Kill List, very good. I'm always a sucker for uh, horror anthologies, but they're rarely any good, but I still watch them. I'll keep watching that garbage. Exorcist 3, that's amazing. Creepshow is not only a great movie, a great horror movie, 
Creepshow is one of the best comic book adaptations of all time. Because it's inspired by the EC Tales from the Crypt style uh, comic books. And it actually does attempt to mimic the experience of reading one of those comics. Like people always get want to go crazy for uh, people who want to be revisionist anyway. Want to go crazy for the Angley Hulk because it does literal-minded comic book shit, like showing panels and things like that. Creepshow did it first and better. IMO. Never been a big Ang Lee fan, personally. Okay, so Phantasm 2's got more orb. Because I was shocked by the lack of orb action. I did appreciate that it has clearly... The concept, the concept is it's a dream. Like, the whole movie is a dream, instead of just a series of... Like, a few dream sequences within a... Like, a... a reality, but that kind of made me wish there had been like a more wet, weird shit. It feels like it's kind of stuck in a middle gear that uh, that not enough orb. I can definitely see you going overboard with the orbs. You got... Orbs running around everywhere, but one orb? Come on. I do feel like we could honestly bring back Phantasm now because the inherent... uh, The inherent sinister nature of the orb as a concept has more... I think we are more aware of it now than ever before. We, we, we know now, in a way that we didn't before, that, can't, that orbs are evil. That's a good question. The best Stephen King adaptation. I mean, obviously, the traditional answer is Misery. You got an Academy Award winning present performance in that movie. And it is pretty good. I don't know if it's my favorite, though. There are, they're mostly very bad. That's the funny thing. I mean, obviously, The Shining. I forgot about The Shining. But of course, that's the Stephen King adaptation that he hated. Sure shit isn't the Dark Tower. That was terrible. Stand By Me is really good. And honestly, that's probably the one that I have the most personal affection for because I saw it at the right age and it kind of 
you know, had a, a, a lingering impact that way. Carrie's also very good. I'm an island boy, island boy, I'm an island boy. Okay, Dune. So I saw Dune, and I am not a Dune fanatic. I read the first book a couple years ago. I honestly read it just because Will and Felix kept talking about it, and I wanted to make sense of what their jabberings were. And the, the, the prose is really off-puttingly terrible. But the world building was top-notch and very interesting. But I never read any of the rest of it. And I've seen the Lynch version. So it's like, I'm aware of Dune. I've got Dune context, but I'm not a Dune head. So I go in to watch the movie. And it's the one thing that's kind of annoying is I really wish I could have brain-wiped my understanding, my cultural concept of Dune before I watched it. And just go in without knowing what Dune was at all. Because my suspicion is that it doesn't hold together as a movie if you don't have any understand any context. Maybe that's wrong, but it there just seems so much in it that is gesturing towards things that they're allowing your context from out, your extra textual context to do the work for. Uh, it's a part of my general issue is, is that it just doesn't feel like a movie. And I, I feel like it's another piece of evidence that the film as a genre is kind of going away and how we're creating this new hybrid entertainment form, the new streaming concept that is not TV, but it's not movies either. And this feels like another another movement in that direction towards movies that aren't really movies. And it also definitely shows the anxiety of influence and how the fact that it's not the first theatrical Dune really hamstrings it in some parts because I'm sorry, I will not I refuse to believe that the choice to make the Harkonnens, and specifically Baron Harkonnen, very low energy and and uh, and understated is not just dictated by the fact that the Baron in Lynch's Dune is over the top and theatrical. Like, they had to go small because that one had gone big. But that's the wrong choice. Fuck that other movie. That character demand and and I would argue the fucking uh, the movie itself demands some sort of uh, splashes of color, and there are a few like really striking images in it, like the 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 uh, the Sardukar planet where they got a bunch of people getting bled out for ritual ceremony, and there's a dude doing. Mongolian throat singing, and it's like, God damn. There's a few moments like that, but for the most part, 
There's a refusal to build within a scene a narrative. And then, of course, there's a failure to build a, a full narrative out of the story itself. So I'm still waiting for a hero. I'm holding out for a hero in the film in the film world, someone who's going to make a movie. Someone who's going to make an actual film that is a film and not a collection of images that are connected to essentially a marketing strategy for a broader intellectual property portfolio. And that to me, I'm holding out for a hero. Who is that hero? You know who it is. It's the King James Cameron. He, he, will, he, he is the real Quetzalcoatl Haderach. He is the real Muad'Dib. Fucking James Cameron. James motherfucking Cameron. Now you're saying, oh, he's going to make five more Avatar movies. True, but the first Avatar is a complete story. Now, if he does it again, if he does it, uh, Avatar 2 and it's like a cliffhanger, that will be disappointing. But uh, I have faith that he is enough of a story smith to not cheap out, to not undermine what he's trying to do by failing to deliver that satisfying narrative conclusion that is what makes a fucking movie a movie. We'll see. Brand new cherry flavor. I haven't even heard of this. Interesting. It's spooktacular? Is it spooktacular? That's really my only question about anything this month. Oh, it's a series. Yeah, more non-films.
If the th- somebody's asking about Brian Landry, I have not been following that case. The, th- the only thing of, I really noted was when they said that while they were looking for his body, they accidentally found the bodies of five people who had been missing in other cases. Makes me wonder why you just don't have more Law and Order style things where people just uncover corpses all the time. Maybe they do. Nine people, goddamn. Is that going to make a new trend? People going out in groups to see if they can find a dead body? I mean, people love the true crime. Gonna have to people gonna have to start making their own true crime so that they can. Uh, Keep the content going. So just run around until you find a corpse. The Mortuary Collection I actually watched. Not very good, but Clancy Brown was great. Love to see Clancy Brown and things. I've heard that I've, I've definitely encountered the theory that the serial killer wave of the 70s is like a government program. What is it called? Program to Kill or something? There's a book about that. I mean, I, I haven't really looked into it. it. It's a lot of the times I have a hard time going against just my natural intuitive understanding of these events. And to me, the rise of serial killers in the 70s, which is not just an American phenomenon does seem to make sense. You know, you're, you, it was a new era of, of uh, social alienation. Like, like it, it was a, a world where technology, uh, uh, physical infrastructural connectivity, uh, mass media were obviously more well-developed than they'd ever been, but social bonds were in the process of dissolving. And, of course, you have the lead paint deal, where all the people who were coming of age at that point had grown up ingesting uh, lead paint and leaded gasoline in the air and having their brains essentially suffocated. Why are they always so close to military bases? I mean, where isn't close to military bases? How, how, how would you even be a serial killer not near a military base in this fucking country? Besides, I think that seventies seventies is the is the era when I think that the CIA did sort of give up 
on the brain control stuff, not for any moral reasons and not because they weren't finding, uh, not because there wasn't progress being made, just because it was a relatively inefficient use of resources in a coming moment of genuine mass media communication, i.e. the Internet. Yeah, exactly. Like, why do you need to control individual brains, which is labor-intensive and highly volatile and unpredictable, when you can create hegemonic uh, cultural concepts that are that are dispersed through a allegedly uh, horizontal uh, communication structure like the internet? And then have them just uh, metastasize through the culture, and that's easier. And more importantly, it doesn't need to be predictable on an individual basis the way that tankering with an individual brain does. All you need to do is have a tendency over time for the center of gravity of a given demographic to have a relatively consistent response to an idea. That's all. And then it's done the work. Oh, man. Kingo. We love Kingo, folks. Don't we love him? Kingo. We love Kingo. We love all the Kingos. Uh... I will not be seeing The Eternals in theater, uh, even though it does look like a pretty hilarious train wreck. I will see it eventually, for sure. I'm rooting against it very strongly. Because at, if they can sell us that, if they can create a fake, if they can pump up an IP like that, hey, Druig, you guys love Druig. A favorite character, Druig. Then what are we even doing here as consumers? Even our consumer identity, our consumer autonomy has been uh, transcended. Which, I mean, that was an, that's going to happen inevitably. I would just prefer it to not have already happened. Has Tariq Nasheed said anything about the fact that they finally have a gay Marvel character and he's also black? I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was sort of the same thing. But at least it had, uh, you know, that was Chris Pratt when he was coming out as a big movie star before uh, he wore out his welcome. And and it was also, well, the MCU was in its flower. Like, at this point, we've literally, I mean, we've gotten to the, the this is post- this is the post-Endgame uh, Marvel MC. What is it? Phase 3 or Phase 4, they call it? So, uh, 
if they can just regenerate interest in these characters who nobody even liked when they were in the comics, then yeah, we are we are absolute uh, slot piggies, and then, you know that's fine. What do we say to the god of content? Not today. So many phases. Kingo and Druid, guys. I will be seeing the Ghostbusters movie though. I, I I'm required by law. I need to I need to witness the muncher. I think the real the real solution to all these questions of content is probably no more content. Like there's enough stuff that's been made that everybody even if people still love content, could go back and watch a bunch of it that they've never seen before and not run out anytime soon. So maybe that's the key. Maybe we should just stop it. Just get no more content at all. If only there was a content uh, shortage. The supply chain of content has not yet been distributed. In fact, the supply chain of content is going to go into overdrive to compensate for the lack of supplies otherwise, which is why the prospect of an IATSE strike is pretty intriguing, because you might actually get a crink in the nozzle of the content hose. And imagine, like, what are the Marvel people supposed to do if you tell them no more Marvel content? Oh shit, is this content? Oh damn it. I got I you got me. This is content. I was thinking more of, you know, scripted stuff and produced projects. Because I mean, isn't the the trend now towards just watching each other, right? Like all of us watching each other do our weird shit in our lives and have our weird individual personalities and uh, demonstrating our own personalities and, and preoccupations and talents or whatever they may be. Like, you'd think that as that grew, interest in uh, formal, you know, scripted and, and uh, budgeted ta- uh, content would go down. And I think, honestly, more than anything, the reason that we still keep making content is... Because we got to talk about something. Like, that's it. Like, we couldn't have our parasocial, uh, uh, like, peer-to-peer entertainment, like on Twitch and, like, on TikTok and stuff, if it wasn't in a context of reacting to these remaining cultural products. Capital is still necessary. Because that's what we can focus on to then have a common vocabulary that can make our individual 
ramblings or, or, or dance moves or whatever the fuck coherent to each other. People are talking about soccer. No, thank you. Yeah, if there's spice in our ecosystem, if there's an equivalent to spice, uh, it's not oil, it's content. Oh man, the Spice Channel. I remember that. I was thinking about uh, Cinemax, how it's still around and how it really doesn't have an identity now. They should really just be the softcore porn channel. And you might think, well, why would anybody watch that? I honestly think once you have been able to consume all types of perversions, which anybody who has an internet connection can do, at a certain point, you have to uh, curate your filth or else it doesn't mean anything. So I think that like, for people who got their brains totally scoured by watching all of the most filthy porn in the world, there might be a uh, a appeal to something that is structured and that gives you that it gives you some story, gives you uh, some narrative, uh, gives you some like performances, and gives you titillation without just total sexual filth. So I think like that is a that is an instinct that I think a lot of people have and if there was a formal space where you could engage with such content I think people uh would like it.
Just where's some saxophone? That's all I want to know. That's a good, I mean, people have pointed that out. Someone says, and I have said, like, there's no sex in movies anymore. And it's because if you want to watch sex, you can just go on the internet and find it anywhere. And so you get this weird bifurcation where, where we're reinforcing a separation between mainstream entertainment and, and uh, sexuality because we have this whole mirror uh, industry, this mirror content mill, which is an interesting uh, splintering of the atoms because for a while in the 60s and 70s, you had a situation where uh, mainstream and erotic uh, entertainment were melding, were merging. And you had the, to me, still baffling but real phenomenon in the 70s of regular middle-class Americans going to their local movie theater and sitting down next to their dentists to watch pornos produced by the mafia. But then, of course, the the home entertainment industry developed, uh, and it broke it. Uh, It's... Tough to talk about because it does drain human agency so much and it does make things feel uh, programmatic, but it's hard to deny the role of technology over any other consideration in, in shifting culture, shifting cultural expectations. Like we, can, we can look back at like, oh, people used to do this and now they do this, and we can tell a story where these are choices people are making collectively and individually to prefer one thing over another. But what's often happening is that technology is changing and structuring our lives in a way that makes us have to adapt and then, after we've adapted, tell ourselves a story about why we chose to do that, when in reality, we didn't really choose anything. Oh my God, Quibi, but for porn. Great idea. Because like you don't need more than 10 minutes anyway. No, the, the sociological and technological are not mutually exclusive, but it's all, nothing is mutually exclusive. There's only one thing. All dualisms are fraudulent and wrong, but there are directions of energy. There's, a, there's basically, there's an arrow. Like you can sketch out most dynamics between things like technology and sociology and within the human mind and uh, in an economy and in a political system, you can sketch out a three-dimensional model of the thing that embraces their, the holistic nature of it. But there still has to be arrows. There still have to be arrows within it pointing which, where the, um, from which to the other the, uh, the sequencing starts like where the what the unmoved mover is which of course starts off somewhere else in a different discreetly packed 
cultural and, and, and human structure. But yeah, uh, it is. It does seem like part of that access to all types of sex is that people are just burning out of intimacy as a concept, which you see in the advanced Western societies. Uh, Japan, of course, being the flagship, but we're we're right behind. Just all of our desire to have intimate relationships with one another going away. And the thing is, I don't think we necessarily have less sexual desire. It is just that the component of sexuality that is dependent upon an encounter with another, intimacy in other words, vulnerability, all that stuff, is uh, atrophies as our... Access to the frictionless sexuality of, like, the, the fully internal, uh, uh, like, aesthetic takes, takes over. And again, this is not something that people are necessarily choosing, but it is being enforced on them. A a, a life that is less uh, filled with opportunities for intimacy, which doesn't afford human interactions, where human interactions are rarer, therefore more fraught, more potentially traumatic, the like internal calculus of like what to risk what to what to focus on what to be willing to pursue changes and it's not and it's even as it is embraced by a person as a, their idea it is also being imposed on them externally in a way that they're often only marginally aware of Because talking about how you don't have to program people one-to-one and, and, and have to then anticipate like specific outcomes from individuals being programmed, you can simply create a terrain where there are easier and harder things to do. And more, more people are going to do easier things because doing harder things requires a greater conviction to do them. And conviction is what gets drained out of human life entirely 
uh, as human autonomy gets removed. If, if you cannot assert your individuality in a meaningful way, then there is no reason to risk suffering, to risk pain, to risk effort that goes unrewarded. Of course, the real, the cosmic joke of it and the, and the essential paradox is that the only way that, a, that modern humans, the kind that we are, can actually affect our world and feel like we are in charge of something and that, and that our decisions have stakes and meaning uh, is if we collaborate, is if we act collectively. All right, I'm going to sign off here in a minute. But uh, still thinking about a book to read before a chat. Not yet sure. Thing is, I'm doing this podcast project, and I kind of don't want to... I don't... I don't know if I want to do something on the chat that is part of that, because then I feel like I might be, like, double-doing stuff. But at the same time, it makes, uh, it makes the research process easier. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. Once again, anybody has any good suggestions, please let me know. Maybe doing something completely off the wall might be good. You know what? How about the new uh, David Graeber book? That might be a good idea. R.I.P. All right, I'll think about it. Talk to you guys and gals soon. Bye-bye.